Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. Wingman. Wingman. Didn't bring wings today, unfortunately. And then we have uh, Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. Uh, And so I'm so glad to see you guys. I have spent uh, some time, I I don't know if you can tell, but uh, I've been to Dollywood. So uh, do I look different? You do look different. Uh, it's the peach butter. It's, it's, it gives you a glow. You put peach butter on a biscuit, it, it's good. Anyway, it's good I don't for you get, too. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. But you, I, you will always love peach butter. I, yeah, I think Dolly herself made that peach butter. I'm pretty sure that's the impression I got. Uh, all that aside, uh, glad to be back and glad to be here with you guys. And, you know, we have... That's probably the only laughing we're going to do the whole episode. Yeah, because <laughs> it's kind of serious today. It's we got to deal serious. with some. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I, I, I really, um, I do want to take a moment now. This is unrelated to the show, but just to offer prayers and support for the families in Uvalde, uh, Texas, and all that they went through with the the tragic school shooting there, uh, and just mourning with the folks. And uh, uh, I, I don't know what the outcomes or all those things are going to be, and all that situation. It's tragic all all the way around, and just really sorry. And our hearts go out. Um, and we just pray um, and offer petitions to the Father for the, the loving care uh, of those uh, precious ones that have gone to, to see Him, uh, but also just for all the families and, and, the, and the loss that's involved. It's just it's terribly tragic, and uh, just for some kind of peace and civility in, in the nation, because it's a, it's a very divisive time, right? Oh, yeah. So we have that that happened, certainly. Uh, but then on top of that, you know, we, some recent news with the Speaker of the House, um, uh, Nancy Pelosi, <clears throat> Miss Pelosi, uh, has been essentially effectively banned from Holy Communion by her bishop uh, in San Francisco, um, and he says, um, uh, "By means of this communication, I'm hereby notifying you that you are not to present yourself for Holy Communion, and should you do so, you are not to be admitted to Holy Communion until such a time as you publicly repudiate your advocacy for the legitimacy of abortion." And confess and receive absolution of this grave sin in the sacraments, uh, sacrament of penance. Uh, and so naturally, there's been lots of reaction. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Speaker Pelosi, from uh, certainly uh, 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 the faithful, right? The, yep. the Catholics, the non-Catholics, uh, the non-religious, uh, uh, certainly from politicians. And of course, uh, bishops have all sort of chimed in. So there's lots to say about this. It's sent shockwaves, I think it's fair to say. I mean, yeah. more than anything that's happened that I can think of in the church in a very long time, I think it's even, uh, I mean, the motu proprio is a pretty big deal uh, within the church and if you were following church pro- politics. But I think this is something that it's bigger because everybody knew about it. You know, uh, Right. Yeah. So lots going on here. And so we just kind of wanted to break some of this down and talk about it. Uh, because there's, uh, I don't like to spend a lot of time looking at social media, uh, and I especially don't like to spend a lot of time in the comments section. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you look at the comments and you, you it, it makes your blood boil. You're thinking like that that guy's an idiot, or that person doesn't know what they're talking about, or yeah, you go girl, say it, you know. And it's like I, you don't want to get into the rah rah or the I hate you part of that. And I usually, by the way, never offer comments. Right. In any of that discourse, it's not the ideal way to to go about 
those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But it does. I, I read a little bit of that because I want to know where where the world is, where the nation is, right. where the church is, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then uh, so we kind of put our hearts into this and figure out like, well, let's let's kind of do a little show and let's talk a little bit about. Um, you can. I don't know if you can hear this, but there's a helicopter like buzzing the studio. I hear it. I think it's the Pope. I'm pretty sure <laughs> he wants to participate in the show. It's like the Vatican. Vatican one. No, wait, it's, awesome. he's it's, about to lower. <laughs> it's not. It's not Vatican one. It's Vatican two. <laughs> anyway, no. So, so um, we thought we'd unpack some of this stuff and and how would we address this? Because I know that all over the radio, certainly all over the television, there's lots of people offering commentary on this. So we thought what would be handy was maybe just kind of going through some of this and talking about it from a perspective of uh, a little known I say shouldn't say it's a little known but it's it's not always addressed but uh, a, a concept called religious assent yeah that we find in our faith uh, and, and and I think it's important for us to address this because a lot of times so many of the arguments that are offered for and against uh, Archbishop Cordelione's action um, are usually cleared up if we understand some basics about Catholic faith, Catholic truth, yeah. and, and a revelation uh, of God's truth in the form of what the church teaches. Um, and, and a lot of times, because you start, I mean, one of the comments like on when, when uh, Archbishop Cordelione did this was like, you know, he needs to mind his own business. I think the ladies on The View said that. Yeah. He needs to mind his own business. And it's like, yeah, yeah but I, actually, I think that actually is his business. Mm-hmm. You know, and so sometimes there's a, um, um, we'll just say, a vincible ignorance. You know, there there is um, there's a, a an, an unknowing out there, and not the cloud of unknowing, but there's an unknowing out there of what the church actually teaches about these things, what the role of a bishop is, and what he's doing. Uh, so we wanted to talk about some of that. Yeah. So so uh, I know Sam, you've done a little research, and you uh, you looked up some of the stuff that the archbishop said. I mean, he he put out a couple of uh, letters. One, he sent a letter directly to. Speaker Pelosi, right? Well, that was his final letter. There have been a lot of communications. That well, I just were mean sent, that, like, but, what yeah. he recently published right. was the letter he that the actual where I just I quoted from. Yes, uh, about uh, you know you are not to present yourself for Holy Communion, and should you do so, you are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Right, right. So, so I mean that uh, that came out just recently, and it's it's directed to her. It came out May twentieth, twenty twenty two, and. Uh, and let's see it. It's like to the Speaker of the House of Representatives of the United States Congress, Nancy Pelosi, right? And so she belongs to his diocese, Archdiocese of San Francisco, right? Where he is the Archbishop, and so so it is his role to essentially oversee, uh, to help her spiritually, to walk with her. He's one of, uh, she is one of his flock. Right. And he, one of the things that he actually he says is he calls her a sister in Christ, and he says that he's prayed for her by name more than anybody else than in his diocese since right. he took office. Than anybody else that he's prayed for. He's prayed. She's at the top of the list. Yeah. She's on the Archbishop Carleone prayer list. Right. Which I don't know that she really cares, to be honest with you. <laughs> might, might not. But, yeah. but it's good to know. Yeah. Right? It's good to know, because even in the letter he wrote to her specifically... He says at the end, he says, please know that I stand ready to continue our conversation at any time and will continue to offer up prayer and fasting for you. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, I also ask 
all of the faithful of the Archdiocese of San Francisco to pray for all of our legislators, especially Catholic legislators who promote procured abortion, that with the help and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they may undergo a conversion of heart in this most grave matter, and human life may be protected and fostered in every stage and condition of life. So, I mean, he, he states his intentions clearly, and, yeah. they're, and they're not ill-intended. Well, and one of the reasons that, you know, religious assent is an important thing to think about here is it doesn't just apply to things like the ordinary magisterium, uh, but it also applies to actions by bishops uh, and popes. Um, It, you know, a distinction to make is, you know, when when there's a dogma of the church, that's something that actually requires theological faith. And I'm not a dogmatic theologian or expert on this. And so I don't know whether or not the, uh, the sacredness of life is a dogma. It probably is, you know, Uh, it probably does require theological faith, but at the very least, okay, at the very least there's theological assent, there's religious assent requirements. And, uh, and and listen, I'm going to, what I'm going to say is that all of us as Catholics, both, those who are conservative and those who are progressive probably have uh, teachings of the church that have been hard to swallow or actions by bishops or popes in our lifetime that have been hard to swallow. I, we, well, I, you mentioned the motu proprio yes, traditionis custodis that you mentioned specifically. That that was hard. That's a bitter pill to swallow for some folks. Well, I'll go on record and say it was hard It was hard for me to swallow. And Oh, yeah, me too. Tom, yeah, that was a very, very emotional thing for you, Bang, actually. It still is. You're, you, I mean... You're almost exclusively a TLM guy. I mean, yeah. So, um, and I love the TLM, and I think it's just one of the most rich and beautiful parts of our our faith tradition. And I found it heartbreaking, right? But like religious assent, when there's something that a, a pope or bishop does, or a teaching of the church, right, that we have a hard time dealing with, there's an obligation for us to first process it like the obligation is not just they're very clear about this in in, in church writings it's not just blind obedience you're just forced into this position right, it's not a robotic response yeah exactly there's supposed to be a mind and a heart engagement you it, we, we, they, our obligation with religious assent is to we have a, an obligation to try to process the things that we don't like within the logic of our faith, right? And then also to have a heart that's obedient or a heart that's open to receiving a hard truth let me, as well. Let me read from the catechism about religious assent. Okay, right? yes. Because um, I, I, th- I think that that will help us a little bit. So this is uh, paragraph number 892 in the catechism. Divine assistance is also given to the successors of the apostles, the bishops, teaching in communion with the successor of Peter, the Pope, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, and in a particular way to the Bishop of Rome, pastor of the whole church. When, and this is where it gets, it gets technical, but we'll break it down as we say it. Right. When, without arriving at an infallible definition and without pronouncing in a definitive manner, meaning if the issue at hand is not something that they're saying is infallible, Right, but basically, it's coming from these guys, the bishops, in union with the Pope. Right, right. If it's that, um, then it's like, and without pronouncing in a definitive manner, they propose in the exercise of the ordinary magisterium a teaching that leads to better understanding of revelation in matters of faith and morals. To this ordinary teaching, the faithful are to adhere to it with religious assent, and that's a direct quote in the Catechism from Lumen Gentium. Right? right, which though distinct from the ascent of faith, 
is nonetheless an extension of it. So in other words, that can all be boiled down to is because your mama said so. Right. And I don't mean to make light of that, but the church is our mother, right? Holy Mother Church. Mm-hmm. And when the church speaks, we have to listen. Well, and, and one thing, like, let's say with the issue of life, for example, you know, a lot of times if, you, if you're talking to somebody who struggles with the church's teaching on life, a lot of times they're bringing up serious practical realities, you know, that are facing moms with crisis pregnancies, serious practical realities regarding, you know, the, the, the poverty that children currently live in right now. And, and, and you know, gosh, you know, what, what is it to, you know, to be done for those? And, and so our response should not be, right, if we want to defend the church's teaching on life to say that stuff doesn't matter. Our th- our, we shouldn't say the, 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 the concerns and fears uh, of those women uh, don't matter and the needs of those women don't matter. We shouldn't say that. We shouldn't say that the, the, the concerns of the raisings of raising about babies living in poverty don't matter. But at the same time, we have to say, like, listen, the first principle, though, is the church is very clear in the teaching that life is life begins at conception and life is sacred from conception to natural death and there's no question about that yeah. and that's that's that, because again we can read in the catechism yeah and the catechism specifically tells us that that uh, speaks of this teaching right and and it's it's it is wholly wrong yeah in error to say that well there are questions there might be questions from individual churchmen and women Right. There might even be questions from history. I think the speaker herself has mentioned, uh, I've seen, uh, like in certain rebuttals and discussions, I've seen her say, like, well, you know, even Thomas Aquinas was unsure when life started, and St. Augustine was unsure. Like, they talk about the quickening, and they talk about some thought that the life started here or there or wherever. Um, But both of those men, both of those saints... um, And doctors of the church. Yes, exactly. Uh, assent religiously, right, to the faith. Right. And neither of them said it's perfectly okay to kill an infant in the womb because some of that goes all the way back to the Didache. Right, the very first uh, uh, catechism going back to 90 AD. Mm. Uh, some say it's 70 AD, but it's, I mean, literally the time of the apostles, they were teaching against uh, abortion, right? And so at the end of the day and and I will also say that the church is the church the catholic church is the is the whole life church right so the catholic church is the one that has raised concerns about hey listen to be uh to truly be pro life you got to be whole life and you got to care uh, you know about the children you got to care about the the moms you got to care about the kids you got to care about them their whole life so it's the church that has brought up those other concerns but they're not bringing up those concerns to justify setting aside the teaching on the sacredness of life and that's and 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 listen this is a a difficult topic and it's a difficult topic to discuss and the 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 and the fact of the matter is those those you know i think a lot of people can be very dismissive and say oh this is just a bunch of whataboutisms when people are bringing up this point and that point it's like no that's not you know sometimes people can sometimes approach it in that way like it's a sport but these are real things that we need to address as a church and wrap our hearts around and our minds around too but <laughs> as catholics you know there is a, a very clear teaching about life and if we struggle with that, listen, all of us are going to struggle with stuff, just like we were talking about with Tom struggling with the motor proprio, right. and I struggled with the motor proprio, but we still have an obligation. If, our, if we are Catholics, 
to ascent. to assent and to try to process it within the logic of our, of our of our faith within our mind and try to approach it from a place of of openness within our heart to well, try with the desire to seek the truth with the desire to seek the truth yes right so th- it's different than someone who proclaims the opposite of that proclaimed truth right if someone right. well because there are some people say well it's my right you know because I also have heard people use the conscience argument well yeah. deep in my conscience or, or whatever but your conscience is supposed to be formed, formed in the church right it's supposed to be a well-formed conscience and formed by the catholic faith catholic church that which has been revealed by god to be true yeah. um and and so those are important things to delineate and we have to be careful we also have an obligation that when we see things and hear things and we investigate that we truly are open to understanding and seeking the truth because if we aren't because sometimes we the news sources if we get all of our news from this station or from that station it could be diametrically opposed and if we start seeking truth that way then we're not truly seeking truth well and the the usccb is clear in its voting guide you know about reaffirming the church's stance on life uh, and this is with regard to voting in the United States and pol- political matters in the United States. A line that the USCCB has drawn is saying it's one thing if you are voting for a candidate despite the fact that they're a pro-choice. It, the, the, it becomes officially a problem for a voter to vote for somebody because they are pro-choice. Yeah, right? and, and there is, there is the, the, this is where we've heard this expression. We hear pretty much every time in Catholic circles during elections. Right. And you're basically choosing the lesser of evils. Yeah, pretty much always. If yeah. you have all candidates and you've got candidates and let's say they were all pro-choice, every one of your choices was pro-choice, yeah. or, or the, the, the possibles, well, you're going to pick the one that's less pro-choice mm-hmm. right. the one that's less evil the one that's part less problematic in terms of their their choices right that's why we have to do we have to do due diligence in discerning this stuff we can't just go with party affiliations we can't just go with what somebody told us we really do have to do an investigation to figure out what is my uh, moral obligation here, and it's valid to look at third parties like the American Solidarity Party. They have my support at this point, you know, and have for a little while. I love them. You know, they're not a perfect solution, but you know, it, the the point is, is that it's not like we're necessarily stuck exclusively with the two party system. Well, all that aside, and you can you can argue that point and say, well, they have no chance to win. Therefore, they don't. Right? Yeah, <laughs> well, get, yeah, anytime soon. You know, I I, I get it. So, uh, but anyway, it's 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 a difficult. It, it, it can be difficult, but the point the point to all this, I mean, let's, let's look at what the church teaches about abortion. I, I want to make sure, I, I want to state this unequivocally because th- there's doubt. You need to do research. You need to listen to what people are saying. So when someone says, I'm a pro-choice Catholic, you go, but how can you be? Right. You should be able to say that. Now, not an accusatory tone, right? And, you, and you, it's not your job to, to essentially judge and admonish and scream and, and pick the fight. But you don't need to, to succumb or give in to a falsehood yeah. that's going to lead you down the wrong path. Because the church does not. It offers, there's no window of opening of possibility for abortion. Listen to what it says in the Catechism. Again, that the Pope... Uh, John Paul II, Saint, uh, Pope St. John Paul II, when he promulgated this catechism, says it is a sure norm for teaching the faith. Right. So everything in here, while this book is not infallible, what's presented here is infallible. In other right. words, the, the, what the, this is a reflection, uh, a uh, summorum pontificum. This is a, this is a summary yeah. from the Holy Father on what the church teaches. Right. So it's a valid way to look at and discern. 
So what it says in paragraph 2270, human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. Absolutely. Right? That's, that absolutely means there's no exception, right? From the first moment of his existence, a human being must be, must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which are the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. That's the right to life. Everyone has that. It's inviolable. It's, it's, it is part of our human DNA. It's who we are in our creation. Right? And then it goes on to uh, quote, um, uh, like Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. But paragraph 2271, is, 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 this is where it's clear. And I don't know that Speaker Pelosi has read this. So if she's listening, Speaker Pelosi, I'm just reading you a paragraph 2271 of, of our catechism, our catechism, yeah. which belongs to the Catholics. Right. Since the first century, the church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say abortion willed either as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. You know, in some of this, I mentioned the Didache earlier, but earlier in the second chapter of the Didache or second paragraph of the Didache, the second line or whatever in there, it says specifically you shall not kill the embryo by abortion and shall not cause the newborn to perish. That's like 70 AD. Yeah, that's what the apostles were saying. So this is this is literally I mean, John, John, (laughs) the apostle John was still alive. Right. When the Didache was written. And so it's like he would have said, boys, I'm going back to the typewriter and I'm going to write John 2. Right. right? I want to write a second gospel that that clarifies the error of that Didache, but he didn't, because yeah. it's true. And and, the, and so the, the issue then becomes, you know, we talked a second about voters. Well, it, it's a little bit different with a politician, right? So with a politician, if you are specifically taking a stance contrary to the church, and you're campaigning against it, mm-hmm. that is... Uh, uh, that's a problem. There's a heightened standard there versus what a voter might do right. in a voter booth, So right? that's that's public scandal. That's And that's what Cordelione was getting at, ultimately, cause, and, because one thing that... You know, uh, Speaker Pelosi had done is to is to couch her beliefs in terms of her, her Catholicism and said, like, as a devout Catholic, I believe this and, and that, and 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 even addressed things where Pope Francis had specifically affirmed the Church's teaching on life, which Pope Francis has done numerous times. Yes, um, and there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of social commentary right on social media about all this. Some people have been lambasting uh, Archbishop Cardellone. Some have been lambasting Speaker Pelosi. Um, honestly, uh, we, we need to pray for both of them in this situation. But uh, I firmly come down the side in support of Archbishop Cardellone. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to revel in any kind of victory and do a victory dance uh, on a, a picture of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, that's that's ridiculous to to think that. And and I want to I want to pray for her too. I want to pray for our country. I want to pray for all of our legislators, especially those that are Catholic, that they live up to what the Catholic Church teaches. Well, and we might have had some people in Radio Land who who might have you know, and I just said like there were moments when when Speaker Pelosi says, "As a Catholic, I believe this," and as a Catholic, I believe that. There might have been some folks in Radio Land who might have snickered a little bit at that and said like, "Oh, come on," you know. Um, here's the thing. It might be the case that when Nancy Pelosi was 12 years old, she was numerous times kneeling before the tabernacle and and got to know the living God. 
present in that tabernacle and said, Lord, I love you. I give my life to you. It could be very much that um, her initial desire for public service, which can be a, a great and noble thing where noble, wonderful things can be done for the world and for the kingdom. It could have come from a place of a desire to serve Jesus, Jesus that she got to know as a child in the Eucharist. We don't know that, you know, and the fact of the matter is, if that is a part, you know, one thing we do know is this is a difficult leg of her journey, regardless. Okay, and that grace um, through prayer and through fasting, you know, Bishop Cordelione had mentioned passing for her right now. That that could be abundantly fruitful for her, Amen. for us, and for the church. You you say she might have been like that when she was twelve, but it doesn't mean she can't be like that again. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's but this is. I mean, ours our faith is a story of redemption. Yes, right. Being redeemed, and so that's what we need to pray for, and not just for Nancy Pelosi, because there's a lot of people out there that that will say that. Now you're correct in saying that those in public life, specifically in leadership roles like government governmental roles. Um, you know they're held to a higher standard because, sure. and that's where it comes. That's where scandal comes in, right? Right, because it, it, it is very scandalous to say to start any sentence with "well, as a Catholic," and then proceed to say something that is essentially contrary to what the Catholic Church has taught for two thousand years, mm-hmm. right? Right, and that's where that's where we get into trouble, uh, and why we we want to avoid that for ourselves, but at the same time, we don't want to dance on the graves of Catholic politicians. That right. is not our goal because that's one more soul. I'm not judging and saying who is and who is not going to, to heaven. I'm just saying every soul is loved by God. Every soul was created in the image and likeness of God. And when we need to pray for conversion, that's what in Archbishop Cordelione's letter, that's what he says specifically. He's going to continue to pray and to fast. For Nancy Pelosi. And for you, let's pray also just for unity in the church. And I recognize there could be people in Radio Land who also struggle with the church's teaching on life or other teachings. And and you know what? All of us are going to have points in our in our faith yeah, life amen. where we struggle. I have people when I teach RCI that ask me, like, if I'm still struggling with this teaching on the Eucharist, that that's actually Jesus and that little uh, wafer, it, 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 can I not come into the church? And I tell them that answer about, this is when I talk about assent, but I use the phrase embrace. Yeah. If you're struggling in your faith, embrace the teaching. Embrace your mother of the church. Embrace the, the authority, the love of God, the mercy of God. And just open your heart and allow God to speak to you. Right? He'll lead you in the right way if you're honest and open uh, and receptive in that way. And so, yeah, you can still come in the church unless you're now going to say it's not true. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, when you've decided in oppos- opposition of the church, that's a problem. But, like, everyone doubts. And if you say, help my unbelief, he will give you that help. Amen. Absolutely. That's that's all so important for us to understand. So there's a lot going on here. Let's pray for Archbishop Corleone. Let's pray for Nancy Pelosi. Let's pray, pray for all those uh, caught up in this. And let's also pray for those little ones. And certainly... Uh, let's ask the Blessed Mother to watch over us in this difficult time. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, now and at the the hour hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff.com at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. 
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.